Initiate emotion pattern <laughs> delta. What are you looking at? What's the... Why you look so funny? What's the noise in the What's back? the fan? Oh, the fan on that. Okay. I was like, I hear like a whirring noise, but I couldn't... Yeah. I didn't think about the... It's my emotion processor revving up. <laughs> <laughs> significant welcome to marginally significant my name is andrew smith and i'm here with andrew monroe hello twyla wingrove hello and chris holden hey um on today's episode we're going to be talking about the file drawer problem and whether it actually is a file drawer problem or i guess it is a file drawer problem whether it actually is a problem we're solving um but so we're at the end of our uh fall semester here so we're finishing up and i just finished all of my letters of recommendation so i'm so happy because i hate writing them and i feel bad saying that. Sorry, students, but there's so many of them and it's just a challenge. It's a task. Yeah. I guess I will say one thing. I don't hate writing them as much as I hate submitting them. Saying nice things. You just hate saying (laughs) nice things. (laughs) No, I hate submitting them because a lot of times there's 27 steps in order to Mm -hmm. submit all of them. So that's a challenge. Yeah, the places that allow you to just upload the letter are my heroes. I'm always grateful for those, but then I go like, this is also probably the worst way to do it. That's just like, take my letter and nothing else. But I personally... I'm super grateful that yep. all I have to do is upload a letter and I can just move on. Yep. I don't know. I did some, I did some, uh, what, oh, what, what's the term when like you, you bind together something really unpleasant with something that you really like to do. Um, mm. temptation bundling. We're going to call it temptation bundling. Sure. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that, that was my, that was my tactic for this entire mm. thing. So I would like write a letter and start submitting them. And then I would watch an episode of the wire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh-huh. that, that was like, and ev- I, I couldn't watch another episode mm-hmm. of the wire until I finished another series of letters. So it took me a long time to write the letters, but I did get all the way through season three of The Wire. Damn. Nice. Yeah. See, I just wrote a sentence and then took a drink and then wrote a sentence and took a drink. That, <laughs> that would my... be a pretty interesting letter. By the <laughs> that's true, yeah. It's a much better ratio. Ah, that's true, yeah. I know someone who, when they were writing their dissertation, allowed themselves to eat with something like three M&Ms per paragraph. Oh, wow. Okay. Or per page. Wow. Maybe it was per page. And I was like, I don't know anyone who eats three M&Ms and yeah. stops. Yeah, were they like putting them in pillboxes so they were separated or something? <laughs> locked. locked. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the whole... I think... I am, I always imagined that they were sort of lined up. Yeah. They have like a little bell that they could ring and like, fuck this. And then they just ring the bell and tap out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the marshmallow experiment. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I would. Yeah, it's like the marshmallow experiment. I would be eating those M&Ms mm-hmm. well before my yeah. dissertation was done. Yeah, I like yeah. to have like little snacky foods at my desk so I can, you know, work and just like eat my sadness away. Um, I like to drink mm, my sadness away. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I find that my my work goes downhill relatively quick. I can have one beer and after that everything like starts to fall apart a little bit. I can have a glass of wine and I drink it slowly. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's fine, everyone. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. See, my, it's my, fine. my work is at such a low level to start with that it doesn't really matter if I drink or not. It's just <laughs> four effects. It's a four effect already. So. Your students must be so grateful for those letters. Maybe you'll start getting fewer requests. That is true. I don't send my letters to my students ever. They need to learn how to live with the pain of ambiguity. (laughs) I have a couple. 
couple times, but <laughs> welcome to academia. <laughs> like what? you'll never know your value. Uh, you'll always that? underestimate it. Like nice. you gotta, you gotta get into that now. See, one of the times I sent a letter to somebody is because it wasn't a great letter. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was overall a good letter. Just raining down shit was, on the student. He, he had some serious areas that I had mentioned like 27 times that he needed to address and he never did. And then when he asked me to write a letter, I said, well, okay, I'm going to have to write an honest letter. And he's like, yeah, that's fine. And so then I did. And then I sent it to him. So did he still want you to submit it? Well, I sent it to him after I submitted oh! it. Oh! Yeah. 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 So I just tanked all of your applications. Yeah. Kind of, I know. I felt really bad. I was conflicted about yeah. whether to write it's hard. letter or it's not. It's hard. Yeah. I, so that's helpful because I feel like I'm going to confront that situation mm-hmm. in the future. And my answer is going to be no, because the letter that I would write would sink any and or all mm-hmm. of their applications. Mm-hmm. Don't you think you should say that to a potential advisor? I think, I, well, I think I should say nothing because like, oh, just not write a letter. Yeah, I, I, I would say I would say like, I, you don't want me to write a letter. You, but doesn't it tank them if you don't write a letter? No, I mean, not not as bad because like someone else will write them a letter. You're not their like primary. mentor. No, I am their primary mentor. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, will tank them either way. I mean, I think I think I don't know that I, I would notice it a lot, actually, thinking about people who have applied here that I've looked at. I haven't always made sure like, oh, they did an honors thesis. Did their honors advisor write a letter i didn't always look at that i feel like other people when we like talk about the applicants yeah. i feel like that that comes out in our maybe. discussion yeah, yeah. Other people are more con- conscientious than yeah. that maybe. but I'm, I'm i'm probably in the same boat that you are that mm-hmm. i don't always notice i don't always notice but i think i usually do yeah mm-hmm. i don't know it's maybe it's, not. it's what i want to know most like what does the person that you worked most closely with think about you mm-hmm. right except they're all just blowing smoke so like but how much smoke do they blow like they're still like you're right it's all blowing smoke but you you can still like you can still break out your smoke meter. Yeah, but is your smoke meter very accurate? No, but I, I think mm. like it's still you can tell like if they you know the person literally walks on water. I saw them change water into wine, and they also saved my life when I had an appendicitis. Like that letter is like oh okay, so this student is a good student. Um, I don't believe any of the hype, but like. You you do sort of okay. Th- this person like really believes in this dude versus like the form letter and like oh okay like this is the letter that they had to write. They don't have anything particular to say about the student. Okay, I think it's actually one of the advantages that our students have uh, that they actually get to know us fairly well. So they might not come from like the most prestigious mm-hmm. university, but their letters are more personalized. I, I think mm-hmm. uh, whereas like people who are at like a big research institution like they never meet the PI. Yeah, yeah. depends on who's writing their letter from our institution. If it's coming from me, it's not very personalized. Uh, I mean, it, it depends. Really? It's, Even like honor students yeah, or master's yeah. students? I mean, master's students for sure. Yeah. Uh, those are personalized. Honor students are personalized-ish, but I mean, I don't know. I don't think, like, this sounds funny. I don't think there's that much that distinguishes them from one to the other. <laughs> like, I've had... You were all just cogs in my machine of research. Of, well, no, I've had like 12 honor students or something like that. Okay. Okay, if I have a 13th, I guarantee you when I could use that same letter to describe that 13th one. Do you reuse letters? Uh, or por- stock portions language? Of them. I always rewrite, rewrite every letter from scratch. Oh, no really? Wow. Oh, man, I have templates. Yeah, no way. Um, I'm I, a better person than all I, of you. So yes, I, well, no. we, we... I think we just yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, no, I, I look back and see, okay, who was this person most like from the last few years that I have? And then I start from that uh, template. Really? Mm-hmm. And then I troll F and change their name uh-huh. and then uh, use the um, chunks and then take out all the stuff that doesn't fit because a lot of times there aren't. I mean, if it was like a student who was in my lab, yeah, that's there are 27 people I've had. I use 27 a lot, apparently. Um, there's 27 mm-hmm. people who have been in my lab. No, it isn't prime. It isn't even close to prime. Why did I think it was prime? It's got a few. It's, it's no. odd. It's odd. Yeah. yeah I th- uh, 23. 23 yeah. is prime. Now I feel better. I know a prime number. <laughs> And you use stock language too? It so it depends. Uh, for students in my lab, I I have like one or two passages that are like sort of summary passages that then sort of like are stock and then get edited. But then everything else is written from scratch for students in my lab. If you've only been in my classes, mm-hmm. then you get basically a stock letter. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you get a stock letter, and if I know little details about you, I'll throw in the details. But thing is, like, if you've only been in my social side class, I generally like don't have that much that I can say about it. even my yeah. contemporary a lot of people in my contemporary issues class ask me to write letters because it's a it's a speaking class and so I do have more to say about those but it starts from a form letter what are these details that you guys are adding in little personal sprinkles no but but that's the th- but like I, I'm trying to think like even with an honor student like what are some of these details that that are so magically idiosyncratic to this one person so if they mention something like what they're interested in or like their ultimate career goal i'll throw that in there yeah something along those lines i talk a lot about their thesis mm-hmm. okay. yeah yeah so like this is what they did this is how it informs their thinking about the world um so i uh, this is like the oh all right no i, I talk about their I saw thesis. facial expressions yeah, yeah, i do that i yeah. have not done that though i talk about their their work on their thesis i don't necessarily talk that much about their thesis topic although if i know that the letter is going to someone who does that work i probably do yeah. mm-hmm. who does that exact work yeah. I, I read a lot about their thesis yeah See, that's the sort of thing. But I think that's not them, though. It is them. Did they come up with the idea? Half the time, my students don't because it's something that we came up with together. And Maybe my students are just more talented. Yeah. <laughs> based on the the <laughs> topics that they're picking, I think that they're like 75% coming from you and then 25% coming from them. I, I don't know. Yeah, I that, talk about their particular strengths and weaknesses, which I guess if I wanted to, I just think it's you faster for me to write it as a fresh document. Like I, mm. like if I wanted to, I could go through a list and maybe think of someone who was very similar, but I think that would take more time than me just like starting from fresh and writing like, you know, this person always met deadlines or not saying that if they didn't. And this mm. person was always positive in the face of negative feedback and whatever. So yeah, I talk about, yeah, I have like a handful of skills that I either mention because they're good at mm. or don't mention because they're not so good at. Hmm. I need to yeah. read a bunch more people's letters of recommendation. What do you say? They're fine. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, warm body. I, I think I, I, <laughs> I, I say a lot of that, but the things that I, I mean, you know, did fine. Yeah. Met mm. deadlines, whatever. But a lot of the things I feel like the letters aren't particularly. They were useful good. fuel for my research fire. Yeah. <laughs> they drove the engine of my brilliance. You know, ask good 
questions spoke up. I, I try know. to think of an example too, because I don't know. I read somewhere that examples are helpful so that it doesn't sound like a stock uh, letter. Yeah. And so if I'm talking about some skill they have, I try to think of an example. Yeah. Yeah, like, I try to, there was this one lab meeting where they asked an amazing question. Yeah, I try to sprinkle in some concrete examples. Mm. But again, huge difference between people in my lab where I feel like I actually get to know them mm-hmm. relatively well. Mm. Yeah. Um, and people who are not in my lab. Yeah. For the people who I just taught in a class, yeah. it is a very short, but I still write it from scratch. You still write it I'm from a scratch? very fast typer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So much yeah. faster for Mine's me. not the typing. It's more just the like, oh man, what did I say? I said something really good last time. Let me, you know, pull oh. some of the language oh. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then I can tweak it from what I've done. So it's like a revised draft of what yeah. it was before. Again, obviously changing the thing so it actually fits the person. And there are times where I have to take things out because I think part of it too gets to the, like, I don't find much utility in reading letters of recommendation either. Mm-hmm. So I just don't have uh, a, I don't have effort or I don't have a desire to spend a lot of time writing them because mm-hmm. the reading them, I think that there's so much more between person variation yes. that it doesn't, it's not meaningful. If I, if I saw the same person write a letter about 10 people, I bet you I'd be good at, at rank ordering those 10, but to see like one person about this person, another about this other one and another about this, I just, mm. it's so hard to know because some people just use different language. They, you know, have more time, have less time, care about it more, care about it less. I just don't know. Yeah. How long does it take you to write? So like for a master's student, how long does it take you to write a letter? The master's students are a lot longer because those are, you know, very individual. So that, I mean, I'd probably spend certainly an hour writing the, the um, actual letter. Oh, wow. I'm spending more time on those than I need to, I guess. Yeah, me too. With master's students, I'll sit down and I'll reflect on like the whole experience. I'll outline things. I'll start to outline the letter. I'll write it all out once, proofread it, adjust it. Mm. Oh, like, wow. Okay, that, that's more than that's more like than I do. It's not quite manuscript level, but it's it's very involved. So how many know. hours with that? I mean, so this last round, I did it over the weekend. I wrote on Saturday probably like three hours and then actually had Hannah proofread it and I proofread it again mm. and adjusted some things. So I'd say four Four hours total. Yeah. Wow. Uh, for one letter. For one letter, but that letter was only slightly tweaked for each for each program. Okay. Yeah. So there wasn't. It was basically one letter for all one. eleven or twelve yeah. submissions. I do tend to do that. Like I write yeah. a letter for a person, but I mean, yeah, I wrote I wrote a letter over the weekend, and it was four hours. Yeah. Are you uh, serious? Yeah. It was it was four hours start to finish. Now I'm starting to feel like I don't put enough effort yeah. in. Because, like, I agonize over yeah. over those letters. It's they're, they're applying to, like, difficult PhD programs, and um, like, that's... I feel, I feel personally... I feel more responsible for my mm. master's students. And because of that, like I, I really agonize over those letters. Like they, they are things that give me anxiety. Yeah. And part That's of the reason sweet. why I, part of the reason why I spend so much time is because I do find utility in I reading the one from a uh, primary advisor from the other folks. I'm like, okay, they, they saw them in limited context. Like I'm not going to mm. put as much weight on that, but if it's someone that's, spent a year, two years or more working with this person, I will sit there and read that. And I think with those, like even if I don't know that primary advice, 
advisor Mm -hmm. because there's a general sense of how to write a letter of recommendation, I can get a sense of their relationship with that student and what that student will be like. Do you reach out to people outside of your letter of rec? Like, so for people that the student's applying to, do I reach out to them? So like, if you know the advisor that they're Mm -hmm. gonna, that they're applying to work with and you know them, do you like send them an email or reach out to them like, Hey, X is like applying, like keep an eye out for the thing. Like they're the real deal. I do, but I don't, it has to be like a circumstance where I'm, I'm really passionate about that student's ability to succeed. Yeah. That's one where I feel like that's, that's uh, social currency that Mm -hmm. I'm spending. So like I only spend that currency where I'm like, this person really is the real deal. And I'm, I'm willing to sort of put my reputation Uh on the line in that case. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would say the same thing that I've done that on a few rare occasions, yeah. but I don't do it a lot. So do you think it would be better if we did the, like, just had ratings, yeah. just had a questionnaire with ratings? The ratings are useless. But would they be useless if we didn't also do a letter? I would, yeah. I would, in write in doing the ratings, I would take them more seriously if I knew I didn't have a letter accompanying it. I have yeah. those ratings, filling it out, reading those ratings, all this thing. I, I find the ratings to be absolutely useless on both sides of the equation. And even when they do things like tell us the comparison group and out of that comparison group, what percentage are they? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. like, even when they do that, they're trying to anchor it and they're trying to set a foundation. Yeah. But I mean, I'm only like, what two years in three years into Mm -hmm. advising students so 30 students so i've got this small pool to pull from and the difference from five to ten percent is is totally meaningless but that's kind of where the those distinction would would be made on those ratings and i guarantee you that the like everybody rates all of their students in the top 10 percent yeah i mean exaggerate a little bit but but there's no way that the distribution lines up with an actual distribution yeah like functionally it's like an applebee's customer service <laughs> satisfaction yeah. survey when they're like give us all tens because yeah. if we get a nine like we get yelled at mm-hmm. um that that i think the unspoken norm that everyone mm-hmm. is aware of is anything less than either like the top or the second to top rating mm-hmm. is a ding on your student yeah i will say i do try to differentiate the I different do. like skills i agree i don't like that absolute level where it actually is might not be meaningful but in terms of the differentiation within them I do try to do that. And some of them are just like hard to assess. Like there's always that one about emotional maturity. Oh yeah. It's like, I haven't seen them like deal with a tough situation. Like maybe they failed to meet a deadline or something like that, but it's all these Mm -hmm. things in a, an emotional or uh, academic context. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily emotional. I always have uh, one, one month every, for every student that I just, I dedicate to trying to make them cry. And then I (laughs) I see how they do. Uh, I don't, I don't really do that. Uh, (laughs) But now I'm kind of curious. Though I don't know. The one thing that I actually do like, though, is the um, recommendation. Do you like recommend like with enthusiasm, like, oh, yeah, yeah. With, like, with confidence or enthusiasm, whatever versus just recommend versus like, I don't know, recommend with reservations, with reservations. Yeah. There we go. Or then just like don't recommend. Um, I'm actually OK with that one, though. I like that. Maybe I'm recommending them with enthusiasm because I want to get them the hell out of my lab. <laughs> that is true. Well, they do ask there. Some of them ask that question, which is, um, you know, would you accept them to your program? Yeah. I like that question. Yeah. Yeah, that That's question I actually think is a useful one. I well, yes, as long as it's phrased properly, but 
I don't like some of them were saying um, for their doc program. I don't have a doc program. I am not admitting them to that. Yeah, program. but the question yeah. is hypothetical but, anyway. So for your hypothetical doc program, well, and do you admit them? Well, that that was I, I, I waffled for a long time on that one because I was like, well, should I add? Uh, should I pretend that I'm at a doc program? Would I admit this person to a doc program, or would I admit them to the master's program that I'm currently in? I think those are different questions, and so that was where I waffled. Yeah. Um, in the end, sense. the answer was the same, so I just said yes. <laughs> so that was the thing I realized after I like, like spent like five minutes staring at it. I was like, that's stupid because it's going to be the same answer regardless. But still, that was my only concern there. Yeah, I just take it as a question like, would you take this person on as an advisee yeah. and all the things that that would entail? Like, that That's the yeah. way I take it. All right, so what if, I, what if you have students who are applying to um, uh, different types of programs? So like, a, you know, counseling or something like that. They're dead to me. <laughs> well, no, but... <laughs> Maybe you wouldn't accept um, admit them to our experimental program, but maybe they would be a great fit for a counseling program. So what do you say if they say, would you admit them? Do you say no? I, That's going to tank. I, I only take the question to be, if they were applying to work with you, would you take them on as an advisee? I, that, that's my point, though. Yeah. So, But there's a, there's, a opportunity, or there's a situation where the student, you would not take them for your program, but they might be a great fit for the program they're applying to. Oh, so if okay. You say no, you're probably going to tank them. Maybe not tank them. I, it's going to be a hit. It's yeah, not going to look good. I, I guess I take the question as, regardless of what it is that they would study or the domain, do they have qualities as a researcher or, or whatever the, the sort of domain is? Do they have the, the qualities like you would find desirable to take them on and advise them? But regardless again, of what you do, regardless of what they do. But you're saying researcher. What if they're not applying to a research position? <laughs> He said researcher site. or whatever other skill. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Like if I was a clinician, would I take them on yeah. as a an advisee? Yeah. If I was a potato farmer yeah. and I was going to teach them to be a potato farmer, like would I take them as an advisee? Like, Is that how you guys interpret the question of imagine that you are in the program they're applying to? Yeah. Would you accept them into the program? Yeah. Gotcha. As I say, like we probably shouldn't put any stock in like how I read things. I got a text about fraudulent activity and I read it too literally and then I responded wrong and then I locked myself out of my credit card last night nice. because they had a dangling modifier and on uh. top of that the object of the pronoun was ambiguous and so it was a poorly uh. written text uh, blame it on the text oh I'm absolutely going to blame it on the text so point is like I read things maybe too literally I do use that language in the letter too like if I really feel strongly that that student mm. will be successful then I'll be clear to say I would absolutely accept them yeah. if I were in a position to do so. All right. I got to think about how I write letters. I do too, because four hours is not the amount of time I'm spending. I don't yeah. even spend an hour. I'm not saying it's good. Okay. I spent I spent an entire day of my weekend writing two letters. No. One for my master's student and one for a former student who's now in a PhD program for an NIH grant. Oh. I The entire day was me writing those two letters. You're a good person. Yeah. But I, like, I, I just, hope they're having the I hope they're having the impact that four hours of labor. See, that's what I'm not sure of. Yeah, I think that the absence of four, like I think the impact of like the absence of labor is larger than the impact of my labor. If that makes sense, my students are strong enough they could stand on their own without needing <laughs> yeah. me to push them through. It's a, I don't that, know. That's what it I is. Just I just don't have know like a savior like complex. One hour versus four hours yeah. is necessarily like to, rereading yeah. it and making sure that 
that there's no typos and whatnot. I mean, how carefully do you guys read letters of recommendation? Would you half the time, would you even notice that there's a typo in there? I probably wouldn't notice, yeah. but I think it, and like, I don't, I don't think it would hurt that much if there's a typo in it. Yeah. I, like, I think that's probably not a kiss of death, but it does. I do worry like how that looks for me too. Oh, I don't. No, I don't care. Really. Uh, oh, okay. I, I do. Cause like sometimes like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, whatever. <laughs> well, I don't care. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so maybe, yeah, it, maybe I'll be more, more jaded. Later is life. it a problem if you use the person's or use the wrong name for the person? See, when you first said typo, that's where my head went because yeah. I'm reviewing letters a recommendation for something else and there were there's one person that submitted for two different oh, no. applications oh, and they yeah. used the same name across both letters nice so right. and the rest of the letter is different most of it was different yeah so you don't know oh yeah who's yeah Ouch. yeah so are you gonna so there's no way to differentiate yeah. yeah so are you gonna ding the student because the advice or the letter writer did a poor job well he can't tell which student goes which letter goes for which student yeah so th- these are actually for fact Faculty. It's oh. for something fun, yeah. okay. internal, so it's faculty writing uh, for other faculty. Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, that's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know what I can say about it when I can't, but uh, I didn't, based on that, solely damn the letter. Yeah. So, Because I, I wouldn't care if somebody used the wrong name in a letter, because I know I've done it. So I'm like, it happens. Yeah. We write so many letters, and there's going to be a time where you're copying and pasting, or you're yeah. doing whatever, or, or even if you're, yeah, and it's just... It's gonna happen. So I wouldn't. That wouldn't bother me. No, but in the case where you can't tell who the letter's right. for, yeah, that's, that, that's true. I guess if yeah, if it introduced, but normally that doesn't happen. Ambiguity. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. And the only time that I um, did it, it was like the first ninety percent of the time I had said the person's right name, and then the last like paragraph I had like copied and pasted from somebody else, and it was the paragraph that's just literally like you know, I think they're great. You should admit them. Let me know if you have any questions mm-hmm. about so and so. Yeah. I forgot to change that with copy. That's pretty things. minor. That, and that's the thing. So I didn't mind it too. Well, I mean, yeah. it felt really bad, but still, yeah, I don't think it affected the person, but still. It was. I feel like my neuroticism is showing then because I'm worried like, oh, if you read my letter and you're someone who I like work with or you're sort of a, mm. a general colleague and you're like, you have a lot of typos in this thing or you use the like, God, I, I thought you were smart, but like now I'm kind of thinking you're dumb <laughs> uh, that like my letter might reflect poorly on me. Yeah. The vast majority of the letters I write are going to people I don't know at all and programs right. I don't 100%. know at all. Oh. So maybe if I would care more if they were like applying mm. I think in it's my like, field but no one wants to go <laughs> yeah, I guess like the the majority, I'd say it's probably something like 70, 30 or even even like 75, 25 of people I don't know to people I do know. Yeah. And that that does like I, I had to submit a, a letter of rec to, to Brown and like right uh, before I was like doing my final read through. I'm like, and I found a type. I'm like, God damn it. Yeah. Uh, but I caught it before I submitted it. So yeah, it was yeah. it was all good. Nice. But, yeah, but, I was going to ask about that. Have you all had to submit to? your alma mater yeah, yeah. I, I had one time I've had the student apply and yeah I, that one I will say I spent yeah. a lot more time on yeah um, and then that was also another time where I talked with the um, my yeah. former advisor yeah um, and I was definitely more honest and open in talking with him rather than in the letter I mean the letter was yeah. good right, it was right. straightforward but I wanted to be honest and say like yeah I mean good in these ways but also there are some weaknesses and here are the things that I've noticed and and you know the stuff doesn't normally make 
make it into a letter, but I thought it was worth pointing out. So yeah, that was definitely a different type of situation. Yeah, same here. I'm more careful if it's my alma mater or even someone in my field, like a collaborator yeah. Yeah, yeah. or yeah. close just, colleague. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. That's maybe why I was like, that. this, this particular letter took me so long because mm-hmm. the vast majority of the letters were going to places where I've either collaborated yeah. or I, I know people. I'm like, all right, well, don't look like a moron. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a difference. Yeah. Well, should we get to our main topic? Sure. All right. So there's been a recent um, discussion about opening up the file drawer. So the proposal, at least that I saw, was that we should, um, I was going to say publish, we should make public in some way ev- the results of every single study that we run. Um, and initially it was actually talking about like cleaning out the file drawer so you'd actually also go back and, you know, every study that you have run forever, I guess. Um, but then it kind of got updated when people were arguing on Twitter about whether it's a good idea to, well, okay, from here on that you should actually um, make public in some way um, everything that you, that you do, all the studies that you do, all the data that you collect, everything that should be made public. Um, yeah, I don't know even where to start with this. There's a lot of kind of like pros and cons, but I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think about that? What's, what's your kind of gut reaction when you hear like, hey, we should be doing this? Yay, Nate, because I had a gut reaction, but I'll let you guys so, talk first. <laughs> in principle, I guess I agree. Like, I think it'd be potentially a good thing to do, but I also think it's important to point out that there are existing models of this that aren't working too well. Uh, so for example, with like clinical trials, mm-hmm. I, if I remember correctly, I've never had to do this. Um, but if I remember correctly, they have, they legally have to post all of the information about studies that were done, whether or not they make it into the manuscript, they have a registry and then they have kind of the, the page. And I think Yuri Simonson has data on this, like 90% of studies on clinical trials don't have information or data about all the studies posted. Um, so that's a pretty like heavy handed thing where there's a legal mandate and people aren't adhering to it. Uh, and then there's also the psychfiledrawer.org and I think there's like maybe 25 studies that are on that and that's more tailored towards replication. Um, but the reason why I would say I agree in principle is I was at the SIPS pre-conference for SPSP and there was a whole focus group on this and I think a lot of the points that were raised there were interesting and important and talk more broadly about the impact of doing this and not necessarily, can we do it? Should we do it? But what what would it do for the science? Um, and out of that came a project. It's been dormant for a while, but um, I know a lot of people are interested in building something that might work better than these existing models. So what would it do for the science? I, I actually think that's a an important thing to flesh out because I have a, I have a prior about what it would do for the science, but I, I'm curious like what their argument was. So it's been over a year. Relate um, to me in detail, exactly yeah. word for word. Uh, I mean, I think the biggest thing is that it upholds transparency. It's another way in which we can be open and transparent about the science that we do. Um, I think another thing is that, that some people talk about is that it, it gives a model for what doing science looks like. Because, uh, you know, it, it's like social media. You're looking at someone's highlight reel. They get that paper in JPSP and you see these wonderful studies, but you don't see all the, all the work that went into it and all the stuff that's in the file drawer associated with that. Is that many studies? It, it might not be. There might be zero studies in the file drawer for that paper, but it's upholding transparency and it's also showing that like it, it's incremental steps and it's not always going to directly lead to these awesome, amazing papers, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I don't disagree that it would probably accomplish that goal, but I would worry that it might do two other things. So one, it would sort of muddy the water around like 
what is knowledge then? Because I, I presume like if you're cleaning out the file drawer, this would go to like a repository, but you're not going to send your file drawer under peer review for exactly the reason like why it's in the file drawer in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so there's an there's a question about like what is the informational value of something in the file drawer. Um, and then the other problem is, and it's it's sort of connected with this, is I imagine that I mean, so there's already like too much research to read, even in like my narrow domain of moral psychology, there are areas that I have no idea what, what's going on because I simply can't read all the stuff all the time. And if we then say, okay, we are going to vomit forth all of this other stuff that, I mean, because like, yeah, every published study uh, or every published paper probably has um, a sort of tail end of studies that, like didn't make it into the cut. So if we're going to then add this huge amount of new data, I would imagine that the informational impact of that would be close to zero because we're going to have like this sort of secondary source that doesn't have the prestige. So we're not going to know like, how should I value this? And then we have like this huge mound of stuff that we are going to be overwhelmed and not necessarily able to read. And three, then like maybe not even motivated to read because it's not of like the level of prestige that we associate with like knowledge. I'm not saying any of those things are like good or correct or like ought to be the case. I'm just saying like descriptively, I would, I, I have a strong pride that those would be the case. Yes. I'm going to smuggle in a couple of things here, but I think uh, there is a way to address some of these points, Uh, maybe mainly the first. But um, one thing that was talked about in this focus group and that I've talked about with folks since is is making a repository. It could be as simple as something like a citation count, but for the number of studies that support this or what might be even more informative and would have more knowledge value is the number of people that have done the same study and failed. Right. So that would save time for other researchers because they're not investing in trying to run this study. Uh, And there's a lot of ideas that I think people kind of commonly come across, maybe especially in more applied fields, but also in social psychology, right? Especially as people start to kind of follow memes and trends in social psychology. Mm -hmm. And instead of having a hundred labs running the same study that's going to fail or produce null results, why don't we have something up there that's like a tally and a count of that? It would have to be super easy to use. It would have to be certain searchable. Um, and it wouldn't require reading per se, but anytime you had an idea for a study, you could log on to this thing, or maybe it's part of OSF and just pull a number of similar studies or related studies and get a count of, did it turn out? What were the effects? What did this look like? I mean, I like that idea of a tally. Um, so then you can, cause there are a number of like older papers that I've been reading, um, for, for this project that I'm, I'm starting to work on. And as I'm reading the paper, I'm like, okay, this is, this is a JPSB. In fact, there are like three JPSBs on, on basically the same thing. But also they had like 30 people per cell. And so I have, but it's like this seminal paper that gets cited, a uh, seminal set of papers that get cited over and over and over again. And so having like a little tally, like, yep, um, 120 people. I mean, number wouldn't be that big, but like, uh, let's say like 30, 30 different labs have tried to have tried this. And um, here's the distribution of this sort of, I guess like broadly it'd be like rep replicated versus like failed replications versus I guess mixed results or something like that. That would be a helpful metric to have. Uh, but I think then that's not like that. That's a different type of project than like the, the information dump. But I guess then you could like go in, like if you really wanted to see like what the results are, like you could dig into that. Yeah, I think any one information dump wouldn't be helpful, but if we had a way to aggregate them and make it searchable, it would be. Yeah. 
I, I, so, I mean, I like that in like spirit, but the idea of like how many studies have, let's say replicated or followed up on another project, um, what gets included in that? I mean, direct replication. Okay. Yeah. Then, but if you tweak some things and it doesn't replicate, so that's a tally against, but then you change things or, you know, it's a conceptual replication and it does replicate, but now it's in a different context. So I'm not doing it in that context. I'm doing it in the original context. And so just the idea of like, what gets included versus not seems, I mean, a very challenging thing that, that seems like something you would have to then look at each individual study to see, well, does that count? Does that not? Yeah, I agree that you'd have to look at each individual study, but there, there are models. So like in forensic psych, there is a database that has, it's still fairly newish, but it's basically a team of volunteer reviewers who um, do sort of, they identify high quality publications that experts could use um, in their applied work. And so people, other faculty, grad students volunteer to review these articles and I don't volunteer. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> so I don't know exactly like what the process is, but I would imagine something like that could happen in this area where people could volunteer to class. You have an operational definition of direct replication or conceptual replication mm-hmm. and they volunteer to classify it. Yeah, I mean, my my reaction like totally sidesteps the, the issue that you raise here about the, the quality of the, the replications themselves. I, I had, um, there's, there's a person who reached out and, and was doing a, a replication of a, of a recent paper of mine. So I like, sent the, the materials, everything. And then they wrote back and they said like, well, the way you did it was too complicated. So we simplified it down and only used some of your stimuli and only used uh, a fraction of the number of trials. And then we're going to put it online in this context where and they're like and then afterwards they're like oh well we partially replicated what you found and I was kind of like okay but like if you if you like came out and and tried to like publish and said like well we partially replicated I would be a, a little uh, I mean I, I'd be critical of that I'm like yeah you I mean one it's amazing that even with all the things that you sort of dumbed down about the study because uh, they, they had to simplify I don't, I don't mean dumbed down in, in a way that's pejorative I mean like they had to simplify things uh, yeah in all the ways that, that you simplified and, and sort of cut down the study, it's amazing that anything replicated. Uh, but if you called that a partial replication, like I would, I would be kind of grumpy about that. And so I, I think Smith, like your critique about like what counts would really matter for how we think about that tally, which then I think ties in with like Twyla's point. Like mm-hmm. it means you'd have to have basically a dedicated set of reviewers. And I mean, this will get into like, we already review stuff for free. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, who wants to volunteer for that? But I did like the idea, like you were talking about, of grad students doing that. Like that would be an interesting um, exercise for them to to be able to do that. And even if they just did a couple, I mean, that might be enough. Well, I don't know if that'd be enough, but that would be an interesting thing. But I mean, not that I want to put more work on grad students, but I think I think that could be a useful thing because they they don't they aren't being asked to review other papers, right? Yeah. So so they're not having those same types of experiences oftentimes in other situations. So this would be. Um, um, kind of an interesting way of, of addressing that. Yeah. So originally I was thinking of the file drawer more at the researcher level rather than the like oh, concept okay. level. Like, should I, <laughs> maybe I'm 
I'm just selfish. <laughs> like, how will this impact me? Yeah. <laughs> and so I think, I mean, a simple way of like partially meeting the spirit, because I like the spirit of making mm-hmm. sure you declare all the steps that took to get to this published study. And so if you have some website or like an OSF mm-hmm. site or something like that, then and you can post those steps in mm-hmm. your lab notebook or whatever documentation you put on there. But then you still run into the problem that you were mentioning, Andrew, of like, is anyone going to bother looking at that? Yeah. Does it have any practical impact? Right. I mean, I guess so that that then like, then takes me up to like the conceptual level. <laughs> yeah. uh, so if if we're saying like going forward, we ought to to publish all the steps that we uh, have to get there, then then I would ask that. OK, so how's that different than the idea of how we're supposed to use OSF and like sort of calling our shots? Like what what is what is at, what is the added value or what would be different about that? And if we're not saying just going forward, if we're saying like we should do this information dump about like what we have done, then I then I, I'm actually like, I'm opposed to that idea. I, I think like doing an information dump of past stuff is just gonna be confusing. I think the net result of that is confusion, not not transparency. Well, I think too. I mean, the, just getting into the practical side of it, that that would be asking too much of people to go. You know, everything that you've done in your entire career. I did like some crap studies. Yeah. And so that's, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah. So I think that would be asking too much, but we could talk about going forward though, from, cause I think that's a more realistic yeah. thing. So from today on, should we then in some ways make everything public? But I mean, um, isn't that the spirit of OSF? Isn't like, I'm confused about how this would be different. Do you, with um, all your OSF projects, if you end up not publishing it, do you write up a summary that goes along with the OSF page and here are the analyses that I ran. Here's the, you know, a mini result section. So I'm, I'm going to preface this with, I'm not trying to be an asshole, but I haven't run into that, that issue yet. Okay. Um, so I'm not all saying of like, all of my studies are magic. Yeah. Uh, no, it'd be like, I, I am a new user of OSF. And so far I have not, I don't do so much work mm-hmm. that I have yet run into, into that issue. Um, I guess, I mean, if, if that happened, like, yeah, I think that'd be a good thing to, to do, but I would then go to like Twyla's point, like no one's going to read that. I would yeah. assume. Yeah. I wonder if it's sufficient to just say, Hey, we, I did this pilot study first. Here are the materials and here's the data set if other people want to look at it, but I don't, I'm not going to write up a results section. So like you're transparent, but you're if not. you've got like R markup, then like you can just, uh, you can, you can write the results section like really quickly. Yeah. But then you got to know R. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I, I don't know R, but, <laughs> but you guys are smarter than I am. So I assume that you could just like beep bop boop and it happens. It's not that fast. So what if it was just like a sentence or two and you posted it, like you were saying as a summary or a document within your OSF file registry, because then it could be cited because I'm pretty sure people at OSF might correct me on this, but I'm pretty sure anything that's associated with your project has its own DOI on OSF. So then you could cite that and future research that's along those lines. Other people could find it and cite it. But what, I mean, I'm trying to think of what useful information we would put on there. Because I mean, most of my studies couldn't be summarized. They're magical studies, so they couldn't be summarized in like one sentence. Um, but, so complex. But I mean, <laughs> honestly, most of them not. But the the issue would be the ones that I'm not pursuing. There probably were good reasons that I would want to put that into the summaries as well, or maybe there aren't good reasons. I'm just you know haven't haven't gotten around to it. But it seems like a sentence or two wouldn't be enough to capture what's going on. I mean, that, that couldn't even capture all the analyses that I would want to run. I guess I was assuming that 
that you'd have a pre-registration, right? So then we're back at this question of what's the difference. Um, but with the pre-registration, you could just say hypothesis one supported or not supported. T equals P equals mm. confidence interval. Maybe. I'm trying to think. of So then as a user, I would have to search, find your project page, look at the pre-registration, go to the summary, open up the summary on one screen, the pre-registration on the other, map the everything on there yeah. and do that for every single project that is related to what I want to do to figure out is this a useful thing? But you get five virtue points for every <laughs> time you do it. That just seems like a tremendous... I mean, that's that's where like I liked the tally idea that you had right. the, that yeah. you guys were talking about a lot better. It. Way simplified, yeah. Because some way to aggregate that. Because... But yeah. if you're in the planning stage of a study and you were, you happen upon a page that did something very similar and there were small or no effects, don't you think that that one study, I'm not saying you'd have to find them all, but that one that has the data and the information on OSF would change your your priors or your hypotheses? I mean, maybe, but probably I've if I've been doing it, um, I've found published articles that have found the effect, right. right? So my prior is there's already something. So I would have to have enough failed attempts Attempts, I'd have to find enough other projects that have failed to then overwhelm the projects that I found that, that are published that actually found the effect. Right. And that would mean that the, the stuff on OSF that you're looking at would actually have to be a pretty detailed write-up because if it's just uh, hypothesis one supported or not, or uh, then you'd say, well, okay, but how did you do the study? Because I have this strong prior from the published work that it's there mm-hmm. and you're showing that it's not there. And so, of course, like the devil's in the detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now we're back to like full write-ups of of studies that are in the file drawer, and I just I now maybe maybe I'm like not virtuous. I think that's a that's a decent hypothesis, but I, I don't know the scientist who's going to say like yeah that's that's what I want to do. I want to write up a bunch of null results that will not gain me really anything in the rat race of of my profession, but like will be a virtuous thing to do. So I know we said we weren't going to talk about slow science today, <laughs> but this converges with the slow science discussion, right? Mm. So like if you are approaching your research such that you're taking it slow and you're only doing a couple studies at a time, um, then it wouldn't hurt as much I guess to disclose hey, I did this, this ended this program of research (laughs) because nothing panned out or I got bored or whatever. And so it would not be as painful I think. Yeah, I mean so, so for example, um, I just finished up a study this term that showed a giant, giant convincing nothing. Um, so Congratulations. Thank you. Well, that's I'm, one way to frame it. I'm really glad that I devoted all of those hours mm-hmm. of my lab's resources to this. Um, but at least, it, I mean, it is a conclusive nothing. Um, and, and now, you know, okay, so I have something for the file drawer. And I'm wondering, like, okay, what do I do with this? Like, I, I know what it means and I kind of know how it informs my thinking about where to go next. But am I going to sit down and like write up a method section or a results section? No, I'm behind on all my other writing. Did you pre-register it? This was exploratory. No, you can still you pre-register. Can still pre-register. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all right. Well, we did. 
I think that's a fair question. I think that gets to something that's like undergirding a lot of this and an argument that other people have made against having like a file drawer registry is that P hacking is a bigger problem and pre-registration solves that. And if you're pre-registering, any deviation from that should be noted. Mm -hmm. And those deviations might uh, be the things that would make it in an article, whereas the stuff that was pre-registered would get file drawered. So then you're kind of countering some of that. I'm borrowing from Yuri Simonson's post on data collada, but um, I, I think that that's a pretty convincing argument and it would be a way to go forward without <laughs> totally having an information dump. Right, right. I would. I was going to say if you pre-register it, then you have a moral obligation. Yeah, to- no, and that, that's true. So maybe to your point about slow science, maybe I should just slow down a little bit, make sure I'm pre-registering stuff. And then after the study's done, at least like throw my date up there. Like if you want it, it's there. Like it's shit, but it's there. I'm, I would be totally fine with that. But I mean, no one's going to look at that ever. I'm just screaming into the void. Yeah. But it's a low cost if you're just posting your data set. Yeah. I mean, I would just post my data, my um, scripts for my analyses, and then you can reproduce what I did. But I, I don't think I, I, I'm relatively certain I would not write up a result section for that. I wouldn't waste yeah. that time. Or I would I would feel like that time would be wasted and therefore I would not spend it. Yeah, but if the data and the scripts are there, like, yeah, yeah they, you, can, they can see it. You, you can, anyone could check it out then. So maybe, maybe I should like post hoc say like we really ran the study and like throw it up online it's not a pre-register post-register it post-register it <laughs> uh, in the interest of of uh transparency going for i could put it as like some pilot data i don't know i don't know what i would do in that case but at least like put it out there to say like we tried this thing it didn't work it ate a massive fart <laughs> and just absolutely crap <laughs> Are there students on the project? No. Oh. Well, I was going to say, because, you know, so I, I'm i pro file drawer. I don't know. I'm, I'm totally fine having a file drawer. I don't, like, I agree that I don't think it's as much of an issue as p-hacking. So so I, I agree with that. But Wait, you're pro file drawer, which means that you don't need, I'd like you don't a file care. Drawer. I think we should have, all have a huge file drawer. <laughs> Everyone should put we, all their skeletons back in all the skeletons. <laughs> Anytime something looks remotely bad, you just tuck it away, <laughs> and then you only publish those, you know, Know, one out of 20 studies that has just to yes no just that there are a lot of times where it's probably not worth the time and the effort and so on we have studies that it failed for very obvious reasons that in hindsight are obvious that i don't need to tell everybody hey i you know miscoded something i you know asked a bad question whatever it is so i think there are th- there are things like that that i i don't mind that are that we have a file drawer and whatever but that being said i'm still thinking about um changing things in my lab f- moving forward Mm-hmm. What if just getting in the habit of hopefully having students, but sometimes myself, um, writing like a mini like summary of method and results. And that just became every single study. Then when we finish it, we have this little summary of method results. There we go. Um, you know, we always run the analyses. And so it wouldn't take much longer to do that. And I think it could be a good exercise for the students who are on the projects. Because I have, I mean, like 20 projects I'm working on and literally one of them. I don't have any students on. All the rest of them have students. So so I think it could be useful for them. Uh, you know, half of those projects are for theses, 
theses, you know, honors theses, master's theses, where they're going to be writing up the results and discussion anyway. So I could, or sorry, the method and the results anyway. So I, they could just, you know, put that in there. But that way, every project going forward has a summary to go along with it. So I'm going to be the gray rain cloud then. So uh, let's say, let's say they do this. Your students do this. Are you then going to post their write-up of the methods and results without your edits um, to Open Science Framework OSF, wherever? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's. A, I mean, I see where you're going with this. That's a good question. Um, I would say for the ones that are going to be with the theses attached, then we will have gone back and forth sure. on a bunch of edits with that one. I'm trying to run through. I guess there are a couple projects where there's no um, paper attached to it, so that might take a little bit of back and forth. But I would hope, because of the simplicity of it, that I wouldn't... Um, it wouldn't have to be extremely detailed, and so I'd be more okay with just giving it a quick run-through of, like, yes, it's fine. No, go back to the drawing board, work on it again. But that would eat up a decent amount of time if I had to go back and forth on multiple drafts for sure. Yeah. I'm just, I'm thinking about the environment in which we exist where we don't have time for the things that we really want to do. And then saying again, like I, I think it's laudable. I want, I want to be clear. Like, I think that that's like the, it's, it's a good thing to do, but I think that the trade-off is doing that good thing means we have even less time for the stuff that we really care about. Um, and so I, I think the the file drawer problem is a, a problem around sort of values on the one hand and practicality butting up against it on the other. Uh, and I, I'm not sure that there's a there's a good way to resolve that because like the two points just pop, talk past each other. Mm-hmm. You can say like, yeah, these are our values all day long and it would be wonderful. But the practicality point that just torpedoes the project still remains and one doesn't really inform the other. Or maybe there's a way to like get one to inform the other. What do you mean the practicality part? I mean, the fact that like writing up methods and results sections that aren't going to go anywhere eats time. And so that time is better spent, or, or I think plenty of people would say that time is better spent working on projects that are going somewhere. And so uh, on just like a simple practical level, like doing this would be really hard and actually not advisable uh, in, in some cases. Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I'm trying to figure out like, so when you say not advisable, I would say somebody's it would be better in terms of publishing more papers for people to not worry about what's in their file drawer because they just, you know, don't have to write up those method results. They can move on to things that actually might get published in a peer reviewed journal. So I would agree with that. But it does come back to that question of there might be other benefits, though. So when we say it would be better, there might be benefits for actually writing these things up. So people who do secondary data analysis, um, thinking about meta analyses. Um, they have huge problems with a uh, kind of file drawer. So if there was uh, um, a way that they could search for these things. So it might be better for the science as a whole. It might not. We just argued oh, yeah. about it. it might not, but it might be. So no, I, I agree that it would be good for the science. I'm saying it's bad for the individual. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a, I think it's actually like a, a dilemma in that case that my behavior, my virtuous behavior would be good for the science and bad for me. And if we all did the virtuous behavior, then both 
both like we and the science would be better off. But if you have only some people engaging in the virtuous behavior, then they incur costs. The science won't really benefit. And so like this is a case where you need to either you need to change the structural norms in, in a way to get everyone on board. Otherwise, I, I think it's a case where totally agree. Science would, would benefit, but individual researchers would be worse off. Yeah, I agree. But there are also other things that we do that would that are we incur costs for. I mean, just pre-registering data, posting data takes time because you have to put a code book with or you should. If you don't put a code book with it, it's kind of pointless to post the data. I like people to live in mystery. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So there's a lot of other things that we incur costs that slow us down also. So this would just be one extra thing. I don't know if this directly challenges that idea, but isn't there a cost to to doing a study that someone else has already done that has failed and you're going to fail in the same way? Right? Wouldn't it be better if we had some record of those failed studies so that individual labs, individual people could allocate their efforts towards, I don't want to say studies that are always going to be significant, but studies that could have some impact and that would avoid the, all the reasons why we file drawer stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with that. And that's where yeah. like it would be excellent for the science. Um, and maybe you're saying like this is like not excellent for the science, but it's like excellent for individual members of that science. Yeah, because if I can avoid sinking however many hours go into a research project because I know that it's failed 200 times already, I can I can do something else that moves us in a different direction. Yeah, I mean, but what if it's a case? So, I mean, in, in cases where like evidence are, are clear cut, then like those would be great. But what if it's a case where there are 15 studies? Because I think this would be like more more realistic. There are 15 other people who have done this study and six of them replicated it. Eight of them uh, showed some mixed results and like various things sort of fail. And then the other ones are just like failed replications. And in that case, like, is that is that informative? Like the, the sort of balance of evidence is like towards it might be real. Right. But I say flip it going. Or go, just go, just go for it. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. I had a thing to say and now I forget. Oh, I remember. I just wanted to throw out there that, that your idea, Andrew, would also be good in terms of student development mm. because now students potentially have a citation and a DOI that they can refer to in a writing sample. And some of our students, if they're not doing theses, don't have a, a solid writing sample to share and yeah. so yeah I, and that was more what it, well partly what I was thinking about was student development I think it might be good also just to model good research practices for them that hopefully then when they grow up and become researchers then you know they might not do all the things that Monroe is talking about doing no, they, they might not do all these other things um, the other thing though honestly that I was thinking about is it might be nice for me um, as I'm looking back at studies that I ran you know six seven eight years ago um, um, there are times where I remember like, oh, well, I know that that study didn't work out exactly as I thought, but how didn't it work out? Was it like just nothing worked? Was it like the specific interactive pattern didn't work? Was it? And, and I actually don't know. And I have to go back and rerun the analyses. It's not that hard. I can go do it. But still, it, it does. It takes up time. It takes up you know effort that that maybe if I had a better way of, of kind of summarizing things that I could just quickly look back and see, hey, here's what I've, I've done. That actually might be beneficial for me as I continue on. It's just a big poop emoji there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And that might be what some of the write-ups are, you know, it's just, that's all it is. But no, no, I, I, I agree. Like I, I've run into that same thing where like there's a five-year-old study. I'm like, 
what the hell did we do? Oh my god! And and having the oh okay, that's what we did. Uh, and I have had that with with um, some projects that I have had up on OSF where it's been it's been just like months and since I've looked at like what what did we do? And then I load up the thing like and I rerun stuff. Like, oh okay, yep, that's that's what we did, and it's super fast. And I'm very very grateful um, for it. Uh, so I, I I do think that that would be a benefit. Um, but I also I, I take Twyla's point that um, your idea would potentially be really good for student development. And that might be a unique niche that mm-hmm. people like us at at um, sort of more comprehensive universities really can take up. That because training undergrads and master's students are like a big part of what we do, um, that's a that's a unique contribution that that we can make to the field. I mean, I I, I have a hard time believing that you know this this would be adopted in like Uber research institutions. But I mean, just just because the the incentives wouldn't wouldn't be there to do so. But here, where the incentives are are different, I I think that that's maybe a more viable model. And it's also a route towards because as we've said, like most uh, most people who work um, as as professors aren't at R ones. And so if most people in like comprehensive and other types of institutions that work with undergrads do this more often, and we change the norms, then that's actually a way for like larger structural change. Yeah. No, I I agree that it would be easier for us to do that, especially like going back to slow research. It's a little bit easier for if something slowed us down by 5%, I don't think that that would be a huge hit to us. Whereas other people, it would be a bigger problem for them to slow down like that. So what do you think? Are we going to now not have a file drawer or are you guys going to change and actually start having no more file drawer? I am, I am comfortable committing (laughs) (laughs) to sort of like a compromise where I note the steps leading up to a particular study that I'm actually moving toward publication on. And so if the pilot data aren't in the manuscript, posting those um, and posting tweaks, summaries of tweaks along the way, I can do that. I don't know if I can commit to writing a full summary. I want to. I want to commit to that. See, I I think I'm going to have to do it at the time because I can't like, like once something is moving towards publication, I'm not going to then spend the time to then go back no. and work on things that happened beforehand. I, I want to work on the paper, right? Yeah. So I'm going to have to do it as each study finishes. Yeah. That's when the summary goes up. Like, I feel yeah. like if I don't do the summary right when the study is finished before I moved on, yeah. I, I, it probably won't happen. I agree. So I'm but trying I think that's, I think that's doable. I think it's, I'm, and yeah. that's the idea is trying to build that into the normal workflow. And just in the way that now I build in pre-registration to not all, but, but most of the studies, that's just part of the normal workflow and posting stuff on OSF. That's just part of it. That what I do now. And so I'm going to try to build that in. It's, I don't know. We should have a, like, <laughs> we should check back in check a few back, months. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the, did where, you do it? Where, where are they now? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So we, yeah, see that. It, what, just a that shell happened? of your former self. Yeah. <laughs> like, it failed. I don't know. The 10 year challenge. Yeah. 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 You know, I'm, I mean, I'm of a similar mind. Uh, I want to pre-register everything I do and I have been uh, going forward. Anything I pre-register that don't, that I don't publish. I really can't talk today. <laughs> Anything that I pre-register that I don't publish, I would want to write a summary for, or at least include enough information that people could reproduce the results and see that, yeah, there's nothing there. If it's moving to publication, then I feel like the publication is part of that record and it, you, you don't necessarily need the summary. And if we could get to something like the tally count or something that 
made it really easy to see here's what's been done here's where it lined up here's where it didn't uh, I'd be all for that um, like I said before I was part of a project that was moving towards something like that but it's been dormant so if someone else wants to pick it up and start figuring that out go for it yeah I like the tally count but I think that's going to be best used for replications if it's yeah if it's like novel things where it's like hey I tried this completely different thing that nobody has ever tried and there's a good reason that nobody tried it it didn't work at all yeah. like that's going to be hard to have any type of tally or know where to put that but yeah for for replications or even it's just people who have used particular manipulations mm-hmm. even the outcomes are different but the manipulations are the same I think that could be useful and that's where psych file drawer is kind of oriented it's all replication based so I guess I'm I'm the least woke of the bunch Uh, but no no, this this conversation I I need to get better at building this into the workflow so one thing that I I am convinced about is um, I'd say like about half of the studies that have been done in my lab are are pre-registered so I need to get better at just making pre-registration a part of my workflow and then I think the thing that would fall out like really naturally from that is like if I pre-registered something I'd put my data up I'd put my script up uh, regardless of what turned out I I don't think that I would do the write-up um, just because like I know that I'm lazy not because I, I think that uh, it, it's not something that like could have value but I think if I if I had my script and my data there that would solve my problem of like I could go back and like quickly recreate what it is that I found um, and I just think I'm I, I would not I'd be too lazy to, to write write it up yeah. what, what if instead of a write-up basically they created a poster so you know like just a poster presentation so either I say they you or the student um, who's on the project so it wasn't like a write-up as much as just like here's the basics of the information I don't know would that make it easier or harder that that sounds like more work oh really yeah Uh putting together a poster because then I'm gonna I'm gonna get all tied up in the the sort of look of it Uh, no I mean I think I think where I I'm at I'm like yeah I would I would want to post my data post my script so that um, anyone would be able to like check out what I did myself included I would like to like like Twyla like I would like to commit to doing a write-up but I think just knowing myself I know that I wouldn't do that yeah I'm not 100% convinced we're gonna check I back we're I gonna che- check back in six months well now there's that now and there's we're gonna the, see where the we're pressure, all at. The, the commitment that I've, I've just publicly you know expressed that this is what I want to do so now I feel like I really have to do it we're gonna see am I, I really as bad as I make myself out to be are you as virtuous <laughs> as you make yourself out to be we should just put our OSF profile links in the show notes <laughs> yeah. so everybody yeah. can see it. Check back yeah, on the projects that are you know likely to be finishing. Because I've, I've already also committed to not going back to everything I've done in the past. So this is all oh. from today mm, moving yeah. forward. So I just, yeah, that's too hard. I'm way behind on writing as it is. I can't prioritize other stuff. And yet you're going to write more stuff yeah. for no reward. Yeah, that's yep. the goal. Yep. But I think those, I mean, that's the thing is I don't feel like that writing is, would take all that long because I wouldn't scrutinize the... You've heard of the optimism bias, right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm saying taking less time, though. I mean, I, because I, you wouldn't be scrutinizing every single sentence. It would be the method and the result sections, which are the easiest, at least for me, the easiest to write. Um, and so I, I feel like those wouldn't be as challenging, again, to get at the level of detail that I'm focusing on. This is not a peer-reviewed manuscript that I'm talking about. This, this is just like, here are the basics. So when I or somebody else looked back, it can just be like, yep, it worked. It didn't. Um, but again, maybe I'm underestimating. We'll see. That's the idea. Maybe I'm 
sounds like two hours of work. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. But I spend, you know, much more than that on a manuscript though. So, yeah. you know, relative to but those are the, my, my point is only, and I know I'm belaboring the point, so I'll, I'll drop it that like, those are two hours that I could use on a manuscript that are now dead hours or on anything else or on anything else or watching I, the wire. I could watch the wire. I, I'm so excited to be in season four. I don't think we solved the problem, but that's pretty much what we always do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it might be a problem. It might not be a problem. Maybe we can fix it, but probably not. But there's some things that we could do, but maybe we won't follow through on them. There Thanks you go. Summer. Yeah. I, I was... It's the softest promise I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, um, well, thank you for listening and we'll talk with you next time. Thank you for listening to Marginally Significant. We'd love to hear if you have comments, questions, or any feedback about today's episode. You can message us on Twitter at MarginallySig. Our email address is MarginallySig at gmail.com. And there's a contact form on our website, which is MarginallySig.com. However you contact us, we'll be sure to reply. Uh, if you're interested in supporting the show, we'd also love getting reviews on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And finally, uh, you can post about the show on Twitter, Facebook, or any other other social media platform that you use. However you support the show, we really appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.